Um, it is Memorial Day, and uh, I honestly was not expecting very many people in church today. Uh, we actually have a pretty good group today for Memorial Day, um, and I'm just thankful for high gas prices because then I get to preach to a pretty full house. Amen? <laughs> right? That might be the only reason. That's the only thing that kept people here was like, I am not paying $5 a gallon, you know, or whatever. So uh, anyway, so I guess I want those guys, you have to be very optimistic, right? Always look at the bright side. So for a pastor, the bright side is more people stick around when you have $5 gas prices, I guess. So I have a captive audience. You can't go. What else are you going to do, right? So be do, I will say this. Be praying for those that are traveling. It's a really busy holiday. And if you are going to do some traveling, please be careful. And uh, even a group this morning, we prayed during our prayer time. And we prayed for those that are traveling because uh, it, it can be dangerous. So be safe. John chapter 14, we're going to continue our series on the Holy Spirit, and we're looking at the purpose of the Holy Spirit. We started this series, uh, we looked at the promise of the Holy Spirit, Jesus made a promise here in John 14, we're kind of still right here in Jesus' teachings in John 14 and 15 and 16, and then we saw the person of the Holy Spirit, uh, that He is a person, a divine person, the Trinity, We, we looked at those things, and then we began to look at the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Last week we saw... His purpose for the world, for those who do not know Christ, and how He is constantly at work. Now the Holy Spirit is drawing people to, uh, to Christ and pointing people to the Father. And now we're going to start looking at the purpose of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, the follower of Jesus Christ. And we'll spend a number of weeks on this. And we're just going to look at one thought today, quite a few verses, so bear with me. But I want you to notice John 14, this was Jesus' some of his very first teaching on the Holy Spirit. And notice what he says about the purpose of the Holy Spirit when the, the, the Holy Spirit was to come. And we'll begin in verse 25. He says this, all this I have spoken while still with you. He says, but the advocate, and let me just pause for a moment, the advocate or this, some versions will use comforter, some will use counselor. Uh, some will use helper. All the words are, are okay. They're all good words. Because in the Greek language, the word paraclete or parakletos, paraclete means one who comes alongside of. So he's your best friend. He's right there. He's there, your helper. He's your counselor. He's your guide. He's your aide. And so he says this. He says, but the advocate or that paraclete, that's the Greek word that the, the Bible used for Holy Spirit. He says he's going to come alongside of you. He says, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now notice what he says. What's one of the first things he, he, he speaks of this Holy Spirit? He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Notice he's speaking to his disciples. This was the upper room. And he's about ready to go to the cross. And he says, I'm going to leave you. But before I leave you, I promise there's going to be a, a spirit that's coming, a Holy Spirit, a comforter, one who's going to come alongside of you. And he makes a promise. He says, I promise this Holy Spirit will come. And when he comes, he's going to help you. He's going to encourage you. He's going to give you peace. He's going to be your comforter, really, is what he's saying. He says in verse 28, you heard me say, I'm going away. And I'm coming back to you. 
If you love me, you'd be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming, and I love these words, he has no hold over me. Somebody say amen right there. I mean, there's one reason why to have peace as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because Satan, the enemy, the prince and power of the air, has no hold, no authority, no power over Jesus Christ. Amen? And so he makes this promise of the Holy Spirit. But what we want you to understand and what we want to see is this, is that as he's writing to his followers and as he's speaking to his followers and Paul speaks of these things, he says, one of the the purposes of the Holy Spirit, and I love this, is that he is your comforter. In John 15, 26 and John 16, 7, again, he speaks of the fact that this comforter, this counselor, that he will come. He says that he will bring peace. Jesus says here, he says, my peace I leave with you, not the peace that this world has. The peace that this world tries to offer is not something that, that's substantial. It's not going to work. He says, but my peace I leave with you. And what he's saying is that this peace comes from the Holy Spirit. It's a comfort that comes from the Holy Spirit. Look with me in John 20. We'll, I want to put a few passages up here. In John 20, it's very interesting because, again, these are some of the very first teachings that Jesus had of the Holy Spirit. Notice what he, what he says and what he does. So we just read in John 14, right before Jesus goes to the cross, and he says, I'm going to be leaving you. He says, I know you're afraid. Don't be troubled. I'm going to, the, the Spirit's going to come, and the Spirit's going to do what? It's going to bring you comfort. The Spirit's going to bring you peace. It's going to give you peace. But notice in John 20, this is after Jesus resurrected, but before the ascension, And the Bible tells us what the disciples are doing. It says this, On the evening of the first day of the week, that was a Sunday, when the disciples were together, notice what they're doing. With the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. So let me ask you, are they afraid? Yes or no? Yes. They're afraid. They're terrified. They're in fear. The doors are locked. Okay? And they're they're hiding. And notice what he says. It says this. Jesus came and he stood among them. And notice what he says. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And after he said this, he shows them his his hands and his side. And his disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, listen to this. Peace be with you. He says it again. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. He says, I'm going to send you to go out. and You're on a mission and you're to be my witnesses. But notice, he says this, and with that, notice what he does. He breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. So where, as a follower of Christ, where do we get this comfort? Where do we get peace? Where do we get the ability to have comfort and peace even in the midst of turmoil, even in the midst of difficult times? I'll tell you, it comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. He says that he breathed on them. Now remember, they were still praying. And we're going to, next week we celebrate, anyone ever heard of Pentecost Sunday? Ever hear of that? Next Sunday, we're celebrating Pentecost Sunday. So we'll talk about what happened on Pentecost Sunday and the coming of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus, 
I, I don't know how to say this, but Jesus breathed on them. And he says, receive you the Holy Spirit. Now you can say, well, I, I don't understand that. I'll be honest. I don't understand all these things either. But it's almost like Jesus basically gave him an appetizer of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? He says, and, and, and what happens is just a few, few weeks later, the Holy Spirit does come. But it's like he says, here, I'm going to breathe on you the Holy Spirit. And you're going to get a taste of what it's going to be like to actually have the filling of the Spirit, to have the Spirit dwelling within you. And so he breathes on him and says, receive the Holy Spirit. He says, he says, guys, be at peace. It's okay. And he breathes on them, the Holy Spirit. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. But understand this. They did not have the indwelling in the Spirit. And what happened? They were troubled. They were fearful. They were afraid. They were hiding. They were locking the doors. But understand this. We'll celebrate it next week. But when the Holy Spirit came upon them, They had a courage that they no longer were locking the doors. They went out and they were literally on fire for Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? So there's a great transformation that took place. Well, what was that transformation? It was the spirit of the living God that was dwelling in them. Look at Romans 15, 13. Romans 15, 13. By the way, if you pay attention fast, then I can preach fast. And if I preach fast, we can get out of here pretty fast because we're moving right along. You guys are doing awesome. Romans 15, 13, it says this. May the God of hope. Notice what Paul says to the church in Rome. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings hope. Hope is what brings peace, amen, and brings comfort. He says there, he says that the power of the Holy Spirit brings hope into our lives. And when you have that hope, it brings encouragement, it brings peace, it brings comfort. The Holy Spirit for us as believers brings us comfort in difficult times, gives us peace in difficult times. Philippians chapter 4 Verse 7 through 9. I told you guys are doing awesome. Philippians 4, 7 through 9. Notice what Paul says to the church in Philippi. Now, I want you to understand, Paul writes this letter, the, the Philippian letter. The letter, he's in prison. He's in Rome and he's in prison. And he doesn't know if he's going to live or not, if he's going to have to die a martyr's death. Most likely, he's going to die a martyr's death, which he later does. Paul ends up dying as a follower of Jesus Christ for his faith. And he's in prison. But when he writes this letter, it's an amazing letter because the entire book, the whole theme of the book of Philippians, you know what it is? It's joy. It's peace in the midst of circumstances. And so Paul writes an entire letter, a whole book to the church of Philippi. And he talks about having peace and having joy. But Paul's in prison. He says, I'm in chains, I'm in bonds, I'm in bondage. And yet he's able to overcome and rise above his circumstances. How was Paul able to do it? We're going to see here in a moment that it was through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is what enables us to do this. But notice this. He says, in the peace of God. So according to Scripture, according to what we've been studying, where does that peace of God come from? It comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
He says, in the peace of God, I love this, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Now, that's a whole other sermon. But one reason why some people really struggle is because they have too much stinking thinking. Okay, so you got to get rid of the stinking thinking. But notice what happens here. He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, he says, put into practice. Notice this. He says, put into practice and notice what will happen. And the God, notice these words, the God of peace. Can you say the next few words with with me here? will be with you. I love these words, the promise will be with you. Do you remember the promise that Jesus made? He says that the Holy Spirit will be with you, but he says the Holy Spirit will also be what? In you. The Holy Spirit will be with you and the Holy Spirit will be in you. The God of peace, Paul says, will be with you. Paul is in prison and he writes a letter and he says, you can have a peace and you have, as a follower of Jesus Christ, a peace that that passeth all understanding, that transcends all understanding. Let me put it like this. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you are never, ever alone. You are not alone. You are not going through what you're going through alone. Listen to me, Jesus made this promise to his disciples knowing that they, many of them were going to be imprisoned. Many of them are going to be tortured. Many of them were going, all of them except for the Apostle John, and I'm going to speak of him in a moment, but the Apostle John was the only one of his apostles and disciples who did not die a martyr's death, who were not going to have to face tremendous Tremendous persecution. And he says, in the midst of your persecution, in the midst of your trials, in all of the circumstances of life that's going to be thrown at you, you can still have peace. And it is amazing to me that, that, that Peter was crucified. James was, was, was pierced with the sword. According to church history, according to what the Bible what the Bible tells us, all of them died a martyr's death. And then when you look at church history, you find out how they died. Peter was crucified upside down because he said he wasn't worthy to die the same way that his his Lord and Master died. They drugged some of the disciples through the streets until their flesh is ripped off of their bodies and then they took a rock and crushed the skull. Thomas, doubting Thomas, died a martyr's death. He was a missionary who went into the foreign lands taking the gospel and he died a martyr's death. And he says, you can face all of these fears in the midst of all of the fear. The same men who were hiding and locking the doors in the upper room became courageous men and women, uh, followers of Jesus Christ who gave their life. And by the way, we're here today because of their true and faithful witness. Amen. And we can be grateful. John is said that he was thrown into a cauldron of boiling oil, but God was not finished with him. And according to church history and church tradition, 
It is said that John did not die. They could not kill John. And I think it's pretty cool, and I know why. It's because God was not done with him. Amen? And so what they did was they exiled John to the Isle of Patmos. And they sent him in exile to a small island. In his, in, in, it's a very small island. It's like six miles wide by seven miles long. And it's rocky and it's basically uninhabited. And they threw him out there. And they threw him out in isolation. And by the way, isolation is, is a very terrible thing. And solitary confinement is a form of punishment. It's a form of torture. But you want to know something? They threw him out there to shut him up. But can I say, I love how God works. What does God do? God uses the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and comforts John while he's there and encourages John, and he gives him the book of Revelation. And we have the book of Revelation today because they exiled John to the Isle of Patmos. And there he was comforted by the Spirit. There he received revelation from the Spirit of God. It is said that the brethren, that the believers from Ephesus would sneak food and things out to John while he was on the island, but it was guarded by the, by the, obviously by a Roman soldier. But he was sent out there to exile, to die alone. I don't know about you, but I like these words, with you. With you. That you're not alone. Our brother shared this morning even some of his own heart. He didn't mention this, but even this past week, one of his fellow soldiers lost his life. Maybe you're here and you've been through trauma. You know, there's people who suffer abandonment, neglect, abuse, trauma. It seems to me like the world that we're living in, there's more and more trauma every single day. We need to be praying for those families in Texas who have gone through unbelievable amount of trauma this week. Are you with me? Be praying for them. Be praying for them as they grieve. When we experience loss, when we go through difficult times, brothers and sisters in Christ, let me encourage you, you are not alone. You have the Holy Spirit. To be alone is a terrible thing. To feel alone and to feel Abandon is a terrible thing. Forgive me, but for some reason this week, as I was just late one evening scrolling through, I was, I don't remember if it was Hulu or Netflix or Amazon Prime or whichever one it was, I saw Castaway pop up. And I was praying about this sermon and I was like, you know, I thought about that movie, and I didn't really watch it, but I, I thought, well, and I've never even seen the whole movie. Isn't that crazy? I've never seen the whole movie, Castaway. But I remember there's certain 
pieces that I've seen. You know, I don't know how or where or when, but I have saw certain pieces. And the part that comes to my mind is, if you know this, the, the movie Castaway, basically Tom Hanks, you know, is, is the star. And he plays a guy named Chuck, no- uh, Chuck Nolan, who's kind of like this FedEx superhero that gets sent from place to place. And he's in a FedEx plane. And a long story short, the FedEx plane goes down and everyone perishes and he's the sole survivor and he washes up on this deserted island. And what is he? He's all what? Say it. Alone. He's all alone and there's no one else there. And the part that really gets me, like the part, it, it, and, I, and you know, I mean, and he plays such a good part is here's this person alone on this island and after he's there a while, different things start washing in from the crash, from the FedEx. And what, what, what comes in? A package, and he opens it up. And you guys remember what it was? You had a little volleyball, Wilson, a Wilson volleyball. And he just cuts his hand, and he's all upset. And he has this ball, and somehow, whatever, he reaches out, and he touches the ball. And it kind of makes like this palm print and, and he sits there, you know, and he's all scraggly and he's alone. And all of a sudden he draws like a little face on the volleyball and he names him. And obviously his name's Wilson. And now he's talking to Wilson. And he's like, Wilson, you know, and he's talking to him. And there's even a part where he gets mad because he's trying to build this raft. And, of course, Wilson's telling him it's not going to work. And he's sitting there and he gets mad at Wilson. He gets upset at Wilson. He's like, and, and he's mad and he takes Wilson and he throws Wilson. And Wilson ends up and it's dark and he's in this little cave and he ends up and, and he sits there and he thinks about it. And he's like, oh no, I'm alone. And the honest truth is, is, I mean, it was really a sad scene. And he runs out and he's like, Wilson, Wilson, Wilson. And he's yelling, never again, Wilson, never again, Wilson. And he's looking, he finally finds Wilson and he brings him back. He says, never again, Wilson. And even later when he builds the raft and he's on the raft and he puts Wilson on the raft and he gets out there and all it starts falling apart and he almost drowns trying to save Wilson. And he's like, I'm sorry, Wilson. I'm so sorry, Wilson. Now here's the point. You say, what's the point? I have no point. I never do. It's just a good movie. No. Can I say this? Many a Christian are living their lives, trying to live their life like this man on a deserted island. Not realizing that, can I say this? You have the spirit of living God living inside of you. That you are not alone. That God said, I am with you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And this poor man, when I thought about him, how alone he was, and obviously it's, he's playing this part, but can I say that many, many even Christians are trying to live the Christian life all alone. You don't have to live the Christian life alone. You are not alone. Amen? Yet I fear that many Christians are living that way. Acts 9.31, listen to what The Bible says of the Holy Spirit, how it encourages us. He says, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord. And notice this, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, 
it increased in numbers. The Holy Spirit is there to bring comfort, to comfort you in times of need, to bring peace in times of need, to bring encouragement when you need encouragement. The word encouragement literally means to put in or to pour in courage. The Holy Spirit will pour in courage to encourage us. Look at Galatians chapter 5. I love this. One of the fruit or manifestations of the Spirit is this. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Do you see the next one? Peace. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. Notice this, since we live by the Spirit, I love these words, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The idea is that the Holy Spirit is right there with you. And he says one of the fruits or manifestations of the Spirit of God living inside of us is that we have love, we have joy. But the the one we're really focusing on today is this, is we have peace. That one of the things that the Holy Spirit and purposes of the Holy Spirit, the whole reason why Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit is to give us comfort in our times of need. To give us peace when we need peace. To give us encouragement when we need it. And and I love how he says here, he says, when we walk in step with the Holy Spirit. The problem is many a times we're not walking in step with the Holy Spirit. We're either way ahead of the Holy Spirit or we're way behind the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is the one who is our friend, our comforter, who comes alongside of us. And really we should be walking arm in arm with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Walking with the Holy Spirit, in tune with the Holy Spirit, listening to the Holy Spirit as we studied earlier, listening to that still, small, comforting voice. Remember that the Holy Spirit was was that of a, a picture of a dove that is peaceful. Listening for his voice. I'm reminded of the words of Psalms 139 where David says this. He says, where can I go? There's nowhere I can go that's where I, I can run from the presence of God. And run from his spirit. He says, if I go into the heavens, he is there. If I go into the depths, he is there. Even David understood the reality that God is always with us. As a follower of Jesus Christ, his spirit is always with us. I like this quote. I don't know if you've ever heard of Tony Evans. But I do love listening to Dr. Tony Evans. Tony Evans said this. Listen to these words. I love this quote. Tony Evans said this, peace does not mean that you will not have problems. Peace means that your problems will not have you. I'm reminded of a couple just stories in the Bible. One is while Jesus was here on earth with his disciples. Jesus says to his disciples, we're going to go to the other side. We're going to go to the other side. And, And so they get into the boat. Maybe you know the story, but they get, Jesus gets into the boat. And as they're crossing over the Sea of Galilee, a great storm comes upon the Sea of Galilee. And, and the Sea of Galilee is not very big. And, and it sits down in this kind of like bowl. And the storms hit it hard and fast out of nowhere. I've had the privilege to, to be on the Sea of Galilee two times. Uh, the, 
the first time uh, I preached uh, on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. It was awesome. And the second time I was on a boat in the Sea of Galilee, a storm came up. And it was crazy. The rain was blowing. And we had to literally cut, cut it short. They said we have to get off the water. So I've actually been on the Sea of Galilee in a storm. Probably not as bad as this storm that they were in. But let me tell you, it, that water gets rough. How many of you have ever been on a, out in the water when it gets rough, when it just starts getting crazy? And it does get scary. And his disciples are terrified. Does anyone remember what Jesus was doing? Jesus was sleeping. Jesus was sound asleep. It's like my wife in an airplane, you know, when the thing's bouncing all over the place. She's just asleep. But Jesus was sound asleep in the boat. Remember what Jesus does? By the way, Jesus at peace. He had the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that Jesus was filled and anointed with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was at peace. And what does Jesus do, though? He does stop. He gets up and he kind of rebukes him a little bit. But he says this, peace, be still. And he calms the storm. Another story in Acts is Peter in prison. In Acts chapter 12, Peter's in prison. While he's in prison, the church is praying. But the Bible tells us that Peter is guarded by by 16 Roman soldiers. And he's locked up in chains. And he's in prison. And that King Herod had just killed James. And he's about ready to kill Peter. And so Peter's getting ready to basically face the executioner. He's going to die. He's supposed to die. And I love this. They're praying for him. And Anthony mentioned this story a couple of weeks ago. But... What happens? God sends an angel to deliver Peter. And what is Peter doing while he's laying in the prison cell? What's he doing? He's sleeping. The Bible says he has to like kick him. He has to wake him up. And, you know, we have to ask ourselves, honestly, we have to ask ourselves this question. If I were in Peter's shoes, if I were chained to Roman soldiers, and I know that I'm going to be tortured and executed, most likely the next day, would I be laying there sleeping in peace? We have to ask ourselves that question. I'll be honest, I don't know for sure if I would or wouldn't. But I can tell you this, Peter was because he had the peace that transcends all understanding. He had the power of the Holy Spirit that brought peace to him. It's a whole other message, but can I give you a little hint of why Peter was probably at peace? It's because Jesus made a promise to Peter. He said this. If you go and you you look towards the end of the Gospel of John, he says that you will not die till you're an old man. Peter was not an old man yet. Okay? He was older than 40. He was older than 46, that's for sure, because he was not an old man yet. All right? Some of you will get that later. I'll say to kids, I'll say to some kids, like the other, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to some, I think it was some wrestlers, I'm like, well, are they, were they pretty old? Oh, coach, he was pretty old. He was really old. He was like, like, yeah, he's like in his 40s or something. And I was, I was like, oh, great, thanks. They're like, how old are you, coach? 40, 46. You're that old? You're ancient. I don't know how old Peter was, but we know this, that Peter was at peace because he was trusting in the promise of the Lord. When the Lord told Peter, he says, you, when you're an old man, and he even told Peter how he would die. But Peter knew that it wasn't his time. 
But regardless of whether it was his time or not, look at Christ. Christ was at peace because he had the Spirit bringing him peace. We look at Peter who was at peace even in the midst of difficult times because the fruit of the Spirit is peace. One of the manifestations and fruits that the Holy Spirit brings us is that even in difficult times, we can be comforted, we can have peace. By the way, we need to be comforted sometimes. Amen? We need to be comforted. There's going to be times where we're going to need the comfort of the Holy Spirit, where humanly speaking, we can't get get through it. I think if you were to go around today, there are so many people in this room, and so many of you have a story, some of you have had things come into your life, and you could honestly say, you know what, there would be no way, there would be no way that I could get through this on my own. It was only the Spirit of God that got me through it. Amen? The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to bring us comfort and peace. And some of you might say, well, I have it really good. Life is great and I have it really good. And it's okay, just hang on because it's coming. (laughs) All right? I don't need this message today. Oh, you may not need it today. This is what we call a time-released capsule, okay? (laughs) This is a time-released sermon. You may not need it today, but just give it a couple weeks. Give it a couple months. Because let me tell you something, and I'm finished. Can you just stand with me? You can stand if you want. We're going to close. Can I just say this, though? Life can be really, really, really hard. Life can be really, really, really hard. It can throw a lot of things at you. The prince in power of the air seeks to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Are you with me? And he's still the prince in power of the air. But aren't you thankful he has no hold on Jesus Christ? Amen. But Jesus knew that life, that life can be hard. Jesus knew. Jesus lived it. The only way that Jesus could live this life was in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible tells us. And so Jesus said, listen, I must go so that the comforter, the Holy Spirit can come. Because he says to his disciples, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. But you don't have to do it alone. The Holy Spirit will come and he will help you. He will guide you. He will comfort you. He will lead you. He's your paraclete. He's right there with you. Aren't you thankful we don't have to do this alone? Amen. That we have the Holy Spirit. So be in tune to the Holy Spirit. Know that when you're going through difficult times, know that when you're struggling. And by the way, sometimes it's okay not to be okay. Okay, it's okay not to be okay when you're grieving, when you've experienced loss, when you're hurting, it's okay. But also realize that you have the Holy Spirit that you can call on, and the Holy Spirit is there, and He can bring comfort, and He can bring peace. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you.